Blog Talk Radio.
evening. Good evening. It's Sunday, December 6, 2015. Welcome to the Kitty Bella Show. How is everyone doing? Please go to the webpage at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Kitty Bella Show and check out our upcoming episodes as well as our podcast and interviews that are on demand 24-7. The beauty in podcasts is that you don't need to spend time viewing a program. You can listen to the Kitty Bella Show while doing your laundry, going for a walk, working out, getting out of your head, or just needing to listen to some kick-ass revolutionary talk. Please go to our Facebook page, The Kitty Bella Show, and like our page, please. Also, follow me on Twitter at TweetTrina for a live or at Katrina Goodlet, The Kitty Bella Show. Also, please utilize social media. If you like something you hear, please tweet about it using the hashtag The Kitty Bella Show. If social media is not your thing or if you want to chime in and be part of the conversation, please call us at 347 347- Two three seven four seven five six. Tonight we will be taking calls. All we ask is that you are in a quiet place and turn your volume up. This is a groundbreaking show on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our third season or installment of the Kitty Bella Show. The show was started in January 2014 after I got tired of hearing the basic-ass interviews of trans peeps in mainstream media. We will discuss all kinds of issues here, from the mundane to the serious, and go beyond the sensational issues and try to have honest conversations about the real issues that occur in trans folk lives. So much, we are so much more than our genitalia. Many of us have persevered despite daily oppression. Trans folk are everywhere. Our lives matter. The fact is, I'm not even supposed to be here, a black trans woman producing and hosting a radio program online. So for me, just being in this space is an act of revolution. But how do we push the agenda forward? How do we continuously elevate the conversation and steer it toward issues of importance? Or not. Today we will be welcoming Kitty Bella Show guest brother Yusuf James of San Francisco, California. Brother Yusuf has allegedly faced discrimination. We say allegedly due to the legalities of the pending legal case in this matter. So please don't comfort me when I say that. I know it's like, oh, she's not a legend. But um, those of us who know me and know how this show gets down knows damn well we know it ain't no alleged. But for legal reasons, I want to make sure that we're doing right by my brother in his case. We will use the words allegedly. Allegedly, brother Yusuf faced transphobic abuse at the hands of coworkers and supervisors at his job working for the city of San Francisco. Brother Yusuf will be coming on to discuss this case. Are you a trans black man who has faced discrimination on the job? We want to hear from you. We will take your phone calls at 347-237-4756. So what the tea? I need a bomb. I feel like I need a bomb. It's been so long since I dropped a bomb. Awkward has been very busy lately, Awkward Talent Agency, with their first showcase in New York City and Brooklyn. And then Awkward had a groundbreaking online open mic, and now Awkward will be hosting a hashtag 575 Twitter slam. 
go to Awkward, A-W-Q-W-A-R-D, Talents, that's one word, awkwardtalent.com, for more details on that Twitter. Show us what you got. Um, just to let everyone know, I've been dealing with so much these last few weeks. I can't even process it all, and that's part of the problem. Um, I've been dealing with one health crisis after another, including my mom. She's been dealing with her own health crises. And so I have been trying to embark on so much. As many of you know who follow me, I've been embarking on comedy, on a comedy set. I continue to produce the Kitty Bella show, and I also um, do all the other uh, activist stuff that I do as well as my nine-to-five. And so it's been a lot for me, and I'm only one person. So, so much violence um, has been going on in this world on top of that. Uh, so much anti-blackness, so much transphobic shit. And so I just want to say right now, I want to take this time and space that I have, the space that I've been privileged with being able to have and being able to share with you guys. I just want to say to my black people, I love you. This is a tough time for us all, especially those of us who are invested in black liberation. So for me during this time, I I would love to focus on incorporating more love into our spaces, more healing into our spaces. Just like take a moment to say, I love me. I'm not interested really in retweeting and sharing so much violence on my timeline or or on my social media. Um, It's just really not something I'm really interested in and invested in anymore. Not that I really was invested in it, but you'd be surprised how you can even in yourself get caught up in these things. You see something, and it can be something that's calling out oppression and calling out uh, transphobia. But when it becomes too much, it's just too much. So for me, I'm interested in sharing positive things, uplifting things, things that are going to put money in people's mouths and tables. And so I'm interested in sharing that next gig my girls are doing or sharing that book that my brother may be writing. Black creation and love is what I want to be surrounded by. Working for me, working in a white male environment for so long has me thinking that I need the same in my work life. You know you're in the wrong job when some of your coworkers think Donald Trump can, quote, unquote, make America great again. Yeah. So sad. I'm really starting to create boundaries around me, and that is due to all the violence, imagery, words, comments, critiques that are being shared online. I have trouble finding time to just process and be. I'm always doing, and I think that has started to take a toll on my health, um, I'm sharing something personal right now with you guys. I also have been neglecting my fitness routine. And so I need to do some reevaluating for myself going into the new year. I have to do some mental health work as well as to understand why I don't make time for uh, more fitness and things. I would have to say the 30s have sucked so far for me. Um, the 30s for me sometimes feel like a learning curve. And so I'm just now starting to adjust, and I have to adjust. Hence why sometimes you will see me periodically draw back from social media, and you'll see me periodically draw back from producing shows. And it's not because um, I just don't want to. It's just sometimes it's a time of self-evaluation. It's a time of uh, making time for me. 
it takes time also to produce shows. And sometimes I just have nothing to say, and there's nothing to be said. And so I'd rather remain silent and observe and analyze than just say anything. So just know, even if you don't see it on social media, Kitty Bella is always, always slaying. So to get on with tonight's show, I'm just going to get right to it. We're going to bring on Brother Yusuf James, as I said, of San Francisco, California. He works for the city of San Francisco, California. And so he's going to talk about, again, as I said, his experiences and his current uh, experience with the discrimination he has faced with the city of San Francisco, allegedly, um, even though, you know. And so... um, I just want to bring him on and share with him with love. And if you have any questions or comments, please call in. Give him some love. Give him some affirmation, guys. This is what it's all about. This is a tough thing to come on and to talk about, especially uh, when it's still in uh, proceedings. So we're going to bring him on. Here we are, Brother Yusef James of where the hell is my um? Here we go. What's Brother happening, Kitty? Yusef, good What's evening. Happening? What's How happening? are you? Oh my I'm God. doing well. So I'm doing well. Happy to have you here. So good it's to have you. It's a blessing to you. uh it's it's a blessing to be had by you. Thank you very much to be um this is an honor and I really appreciate what you're doing for the community. I appreciate the words that you used about kindness and respect of each other and enough with the negative Im- images of ourselves. You know, let's uh step up to the plate and I really realize that's what's going on. This is what you're doing already. You're creating a beautiful, a beautiful platform for us to uh, present ourselves. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. As I stated to the guest, uh, excuse me, to the audience that are listening out there, that you have faced some discrimination out there. But before we even jump right into that, I would love for you to just give our audience just a little synopsis of who you are. Maybe just tell us like. Uh, where you're from, where you grew up, and tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can just have an overall understanding of who you are as a person. Yeah, well, Kitty, I'm a working-class brother. I grew up in the south side of Chicago. I'm actually uh, just turned 52 in November. And um, I take yeah. – yeah, I came up from – yeah, in November. I just, just turned 52. So I, I came from a working-class background. Uh, most Damn. of our people in my family have been uh, blue-collar workers. So, you know, I really respect and understand that and take a lot of pride in the idea of working and taking care of handling your business, working for a job and uh, putting food on your own table and doing what you got to do, getting a little retirement and moving on. So, you know, and I started working for the city of San Francisco a little over 20 now yeah, twenty and a half, twenty and a half years ago, <clears throat> and I've always worked in non-traditional jobs, um, from working for the water company to other civil service jobs, and then going into the city. And so I thought I was going to have a a long, prosperous career with them that would probably, you know, take me into my yonder years, as they say, yonder years. <laughs> so you know. Uh, this is a little bit disappointing to have to go through this with the city because it's not a place I would have felt or thought I would have had to deal with this type of uh, situation. 
But, um, yeah, Absolutely. just a working Absolutely. class brother. And did your parents, were uh, were they also, like, city workers, too? Like, uh, what did your parents, uh, what kind of work did they do? Well, my mom was, uh, she worked for the post office. I mean, she, in her, uh, mid, from mid-age to uh, retirement, she worked for the post office. But before that, she worked more in the corporate world. Like, for CBS, she was working um, as a uh, uh, secretary for some executive at uh, CBS back in the day. And my father, he was also a working class man. He sold insurances, but I was pretty much raised by my mother. He didn't really play major roles in my life. My grandfather did. And my grandfather was a also a civil service worker. He worked for the post office and became a supervisor. And back, and back in those days, that was a big deal thing for a black man to be a supervisor. And so uh, he had a lot of respect from his coworkers and the post office itself. And he retired and took care of his family fairly well and uh, passed away over uh, over 25 years ago. So, yeah. I asked that question, Yusef, because normally, uh, usually, uh, that sort of uh, civil service uh, need to serve uh, usually is passed down. I've noticed that. Like in my, my family, my mom was a retired city corrections officer. And so even mm-hmm. though I'd be uh, an actress for a while, I, then I wanted to get into journalism, like, so I've had different avenues that I've wanted to pursue, but in the background was always, you need a steady job, and you need to get get thy coin. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. that, um, I, when I when I read about your background, I just, that was a question I wondered to me, I was, like, wondering if that was in your history, in your, um, what was passed down from your ancestors, was that need to serve in um, civil service, and so... That's interesting that you uh, elaborated on all the amazing people in your family who were civil servants because that's something that I notice is um, very common in my family as well. Yeah, well, I think back in, in back in those times, a lot of black folks who did not have education were not able to go to college. It, civil service jobs were jobs that uh, at the time were more secure jobs where you had benefits and you could have a long career with them and uh, get get the things that are no longer, like a house, um, a good uh, retirement plan, and be able to take care of your family in a reasonable fashion. Um, And that's changed throughout the years. But I think that was, it is like a tradition that was handed down through families of working class with a a working class identity. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's jump right in here, Brother Yusef. Please tell our audience um, a little bit about what it is, um, how you started with the city of San Francisco, what exactly it is that you were employed to do with them. And if you want to just start talking about, you don't have to go back to like the beginning if you don't want to, like if you want to get right into what exactly the issue is. And then maybe we can like sort of go back and sort of uh, peel back the layers and and really uh, find out exactly how things went awry. Or well, more than I started. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so, like I said, I had worked various different jobs, um, one with the water company and one with um, Country Council County. But I got with the city and county of San Francisco, and I started out as what they call a, a street sign installer, and that is a person who puts up the street signs 
for the city, all the different types of signs that you see in any city that uh, deal with regulatory things that tell you what to do. Uh, that's what I did, and I did that for uh, 10 years of my career there, and then I promoted into a position called a survey technician. But my position had really nothing to do with my transition. The city introduced an actual health care benefit for uh, people who identify as transgender to be able to have both hormones and surgical procedures to transition. And they introduced this policy into the health care plan back, I think, in 2000. And um, it was not something that I think I, I was like, I was not somebody that like, just jump on the bus and, you know, use these services. It was something I actually thought long and hard about. And um, so it's it's no different than your eye vision, uh, part of that part of your health care or your dental um, benefit in your health care. And, you know, if you are a civil service worker, you know these are regular benefits that you get. And so this was added in. And so it wasn't really like it was any extra money that comes out of anybody's pocket. This service is paid for through your regular dues that you pay, that you pay out of your your paycheck. It comes out. There's no difference in the money. Um, right. But so it's not like an impact like people say, well, you know, we're paying for this. No, you, you're paying for it. All of no. us are paying for it as a collective say, group. You're paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It comes out of my check, too, you know, just right. like vision care comes out of my check, too, for everybody, or dental care comes out of my check, too, for everybody. But, um, you know, this is not something that you just jump on the bus about. Um, so the city introduced this, and being the fact it was San Francisco, I thought that, you know, hey, I've already worked for them 10 years. I think that this is something I've been knowing I need to do. I need to put, I need to make my move. And uh, I started availing myself to the services. And, you know, it, they do not give you instructions on how to do this. Matter of fact, I don't think the city even knew. You know, it's one thing to have a plan. It's another thing to have how it works structurally within the various departments within the city. And so when I started availing myself of the uh, – or, or allowing myself to be part of the process, I was actually walking into um, – I was like walking in my own. I, I mean, nobody knew what to do, whether I had to go to he uh, health services and ask questions. They they didn't even have anybody that had been assigned to talk to people using this benefit. So you would already, right out the box, you dealt with people being uncomfortable with the subject matter and having to kind of maneuver around the lack of knowledge and ignorance just to get access to the benefit, to the health care benefit. Um, I really, I find, I, I find this really interesting because normally when we talk about healthcare, Yusuf, normally we're talking about oh, there's no coverage. If your particular case, just you can correct me if I'm wrong. In your particular case, the coverage was granted and it was there for a trans person right. to use. You right. decided to use that benefit. It was number one, they were a mess which is what you're getting into, which is they didn't even have their shit together. No one knew shit. No one could direct shit. And then what you're going to probably get into, I'm not going to talk about what you're going to get into is talking about how it later impacted as far as on your job and stuff um, in terms of misgendering right. and all that other right. mess that they were doing or are doing. So I just, I want to illuminate that because I think that's something we don't talk about enough. 
normally we're all just right. talking about no coverage. You know, like, that was my issue with my job. There was no coverage at all. Bitch, we're not paying for it. Figure it out on your own. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's usually the, 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 the per course. But in your case, go ahead. I want you to continue talking about it. Like, that's very interesting that the, the, they said, oh, we're going to cover this. Yay, look at us. We're progressive. And it's like, well, you're really not that progressive. Right. Well, San Francisco prides itself on talking about diversity. It's, it's one of the major words that's used systematically in a lot of conversations around oh. promoting the city as it is. Oh. Um, and to have a benefit like that, it was around the ideas of diversity. I know some of the people that participated with bringing this to the attention to create that. Uh, one one of a, a, a friend of mine or a guy that I know, a major landmark type guy named James Jameson Green is somebody that facilitated that uh, benefit to come through for the city, for the telling the city you you really should check in and doing this. The city spent a lot of money and a lot of time creating this policy, creating this health care. I didn't ask for it, they created it. And it was all on their um standard of belief on diversity. So you know, you can't get upset about putting something out there and then inviting people to use it, but then be upset at them using it. Now, don't get me mistaken when I say they were upset at me using it. They were not ready for us to for people to visibly transition. They didn't know what that really meant. So, you know, for a person to transition in front of thousands of employees, um, and you don't have a infrastructure on uh, facilitating uh, enforcement of policy and or trainings, it becomes problematic in the long run. And that's what I'm dealing with now. So. I'm so sorry that you have to deal with this. Let me just say that it is inexcusable. There is just no word. And so I just want to usher that out to that atmosphere right now, Brother Yusuf, because a lot of times we don't take the time to actually, like, acknowledge this trauma. And so I just really... Um, want to just commend you for, number one, mm-hmm. um, calling this trauma out, calling this violence out, calling discrimination out, but also for being courageous to even talk about it today um, with other people and with the Kitty Bella Show listeners. Like, I just want to, like, yeah, we need to get some, like, mm. yeah, I mean, Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I really, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I think that you know, I, I recognize the fact that a lot of us are transgender people don't even have jobs. Okay, so right. for me to talk about something like a healthcare benefit for transition is probably phenomenal for a lot of people. But in the state of California, there's a law called the California AB law, which basically acknowledges that people can be who they are as they are, and that they have the right to be respected at that equally as that, whether it be at their uh, place of employment, uh, the place where they live, and even private, I mean, uh, public facilities like restaurants and, and things of that sort. The problem is that most transgender people are put in a position where if you are going to defend yourself or stand up for yourself, then you got to put yourself out there. You have to give up your amenity or give up your stealth ability, one or the other or better yet, put yourself in some sense of violence. But in the state of California, it does say that we are protected under these type of laws. Enforcement is not part of what happens in terms of the follow-through of that. So with that said, what I'm dealing with at my job is, I'm current, first of all, I'm currently working. 
I mean, I'm employed with the city, period. But in terms of the the situation, this is not about uh, an employee that is trying to make trouble. This is just saying, hey, you need to stop referring to me in the wrong gender pronoun that you consistently do to not only be disrespectful, but to make sure that I am uncomfortable and to create a hostile environment so that I can never move as the man that I am. Uh, I started my transition at 40, and I'm 52, and I am dealing still with people, brand new employees, being told my previous gender marker. Um, And so with realizing that the environment was not going to change and that um, the city's ideas about what they spoke of was really not going to be enforced, it made me realize I had to do something about it. Absolutely, and I really just want you um, to peel back just a little bit because I felt you were going in a good direction, and then I sort of cut you off, and I'm kind of upset that now I did that. But we're going to bring you back. Can you go back because I feel like we're still missing a piece to uh, how uh, things have gone down here. So you were at the point where you were saying that there was no um, nobody, there was no point of contact, no one you could go to. Can you? Just go back to that point, um, Brother Yusuf, and then continue to talk about what happened after that so we can get just a better understanding of what exactly happened as you pursued your benefit that you paid for. Well, okay, realize when you, like I said, we all pay for it, and part of being part of the city and kind of San Francisco employees is part of our health package, period, okay, mm-hmm. which is deducted from your paycheck. But in terms right. of what I was saying, in terms of the early days of this benefit, they really just were not structurally ready to have an employee step up to the plate and say, okay, point me in the direction of where I get access to these services. And it was a very uncomfortable, it seemed to be uncomfortable for the people that were put in those positions, and they definitely did not have any training or knowledge of what a transgender person was. So in the process of asking for access to these benefits, I had to educate at the same time. And, you know, eventually they got their sales together to some degree, but it still is, depending on where you go in these different departments, a very uncomfortable situation for not only us as transgender people, but it seems to be uncomfortable for the people who are supposed to be, you know, like jobs at the front desk or talking to somebody about the pamphlet that talks about the transgender benefit in the catalog. These types of things are should be very basic things, but they became problematic. And those were the stumbling markers that I had to start out with. It was not a smooth, easygoing thing. And like I said, the city already had had the policy and this benefit as part of their health plan, but didn't have any structural design on it. Absolutely. So as you pursued the benefit, can you talk to us about what, what else transpired? Were you able to access the benefit? What happened when you went back to Yeah, work? eventually I was able to access the benefit. I mean, originally the city had several, uh, what do you call, like medical providers, such as I don't know what you have okay. out there in New York, but the medical providers that we uh, typically have are Kaiser Permanente, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, We have that one, yeah. We have that. Um, uh, it might be um, 
uh, I forget, it's maybe a couple uh, other ones, but systematically they have those those groups of insurance that, that wanted to have contracts with the city also had to be in agreement to provide this service. Uh, each one had to be willing to provide this transgender health program too in order to be in contract with the city. So initially I was already involved with a health care provider that I had been involved with for years. And in order for them to continue on with their contract, they did agree that they were going to also provide this health care benefit. Well, after I had been with a doctor for many years and I went to her and said, look, I want to uh, be able to have uh, chest surgery. She said, no problem. She wrote the script for it, sent me to a doctor. And he was, old, I'll never forget this because he was an older white man and he was not on board at all. I mean, he was not on board and he was not wow. willing to facilitate the operation, even though, you know, again, the, the entire hospital organization said that it was in contract with the city. So still, here is a situation as me as the client has to go to my doctor. The doctor's like, okay, and then she sends me to this other doctor, and, and, the, and he doesn't want to do it. And with that said, it showed me a whole level of back push and that it was going to be on the, the back of me as the the patient or the client or the member of this health care to push back. And I didn't want to come into it that way. So I ended up leaving that health care system. And or that healthcare insurance, I should say, and went to another healthcare provider, which throughout the years has been setting up a a system to be more supportive to transgender people, and that just so happens to be out here in California, Kaiser Permanente, which is doing a, a much better job, in my opinion, than a lot of other places out there. And I think they actually want to put themselves on the forefront of healthcare for transgender people in general. So once you started accessing this benefit, uh, you know your health benefit. What what else went on once you went back to work? Um, because like we discussed about an hour ago, we mean you were talking briefly before the show about uh, transitioning while you're at a job and transitioning before a job. So I just want to right. give the audience a little bit of a background as to what sort of that experience is like, because I think that's also part of what your um, is the fact that there was uh, discrimination that took place uh, on the job while you were there. And so I just, if you can, I don't know what you could talk about or share right now, but if you could talk about some of that, right. um, I think that would be very important. Right. Well, I think that there's a catch-22 for any of us that are transgender people, whether we transition, whether we transition on the job or whether we, transge- we transition before we get to the job. Um, right. Which I think that most black brothers we want to live our lives as stealth as possible. I think that's part of our survival as providers for ourselves and creating uh, spaces where we can have camaraderie and things like that. But to have uh, one level to have a benefit that says you can transition and you use it, well, then you put yourself in a place of exposure that you, I, I can honestly say that I had no idea that I was going to put myself in the level of exposure and in the level of hatred that I have dealt with. I had no idea. Uh, I think that the in most cases of us as trans people, we are excited about the idea of getting to who we really are, you know. And I know for me uh, personally, I never was the type of guy that worried about what somebody else was doing. I always have been 
you do you and I do me. And mm-hmm. so it never really meant nothing to me to to transition. It was never anything like I expected people to change. I had always worked male jobs. I'd always worked around other guys. It never was this thing that I thought needed to be a big deal for anybody except for me in celebration of myself. So I never expected to be a party for somebody else to get caught up in. This is my personal party. But as I changed in front of employees, the worst they got in their own behavior. And it seemed to be excusable behavior that no longer needed to be any level of discipline or acknowledgement that it would be no different than harassment or um, some type of level of bias towards any other group of people at work. It just became a much more excusable level of harassment. And this is when it became more apparent to me that, you know, transition is put on, on the, on the back of the person that's transitioning uh, to be responsible for consistently and constantly having to educate other people. Um, you know, we've gotten past in so in certain types of ways, racism to a certain degree at work. There's no way that a black man would be able to walk around or anybody, whether, whether a black, another brother to another brother is comfortable with the N word. There's no way it would be acceptable for him to be doing that at work with each other. It would not be okay. And so it would be not okay to call out any other culture of people um, outside of their race openly and discriminately. It would not be okay to call out uh, a woman a B word. That would not be okay at work. So why is it okay to call somebody out of their gender that is clearly told and has been clearly marked as who they are? And you have protective clauses and laws that you say that you completely are in agreement with and will enforce the policies up into firing people. So I'm just saying all I did was believe in this culture of life that they said they had. Instead, it became more of a cesspool of bad behavior. And I did my best to participate with trying to be an educator. I did my best with trying to direct them in places of people who would be willing to educate them. But the more information that they obtained, it appeared to me then the more ignorant that they wanted to play within those confinements, meaning that the more information you have, then I know what not to say, but at the same time I know how to insult you at the same time. And and those are the things. I think that people need to confuse gender and sexuality so much and try to use it as a weapon against a person to either try to shame them or put them in harm's way just through their identity. I just wanted to come to work and be the man I was or am without having to ask anybody for permission. I don't need to ask you for permission to be the man I am. I don't need your permission for that. So that's when it became more and more um, a harder place to deal with at work. Um, the constant level of watching people's bad behavior with watching somebody transition in front of them. So what if what just touching on that? Because I know probably um, many trans men who will listen to the show, who are listening to the show tonight, can definitely uh, empathize and definitely understand what you're talking about, even as a trans black person who's been discriminated against. I, um, of course, sympathize and understand. But just speaking to uh, 
the manhood, the trans black manhood um, experience. Mm-hmm. How did you how do you keep yourself as a trans black person? How do you keep yourself from popping off? You know what I'm saying? When when that happens, like you know, can you share like what did you do during that time to not pop off to make situations worse than they were? Well, I, I come from a time I was born in the '60s, and one thing I do believe is you know there is a there is a way in which people want to agitate you so that they can win the bigger fights, you know. And I think that being the fact I'm 52 years old is not going. I have to act, I have to acknowledge what this really is, and this is this is to me another level of civil rights, not just because I'm in it, but because it's real. We are being seen as less than human or the bottom of the grade. Um, we've gotten some new class of of be, below civil rights uh, that we as transgender people are just supposed to accept. And so the popping off part would be no different than when I'm followed down the street by a cop. I recognize that cop is following me in the car. Now I can make choices. I'm making choices. I recognize he wrote, he probably running my plate. I recognize he's trying to find something you know, wrong with what, what, what type of violations I might have. So I don't give that effort to pop off. I try to keep things in check. The desire is to take my job away from me, not because I'm a bad employee, not because I have popped off, but because I'm transgender, and that's it. Now, there's other things that are probably mixed into that pot of that, um, but the, the excusable stuff right now is ignorance. Ignorance that is out of control and nobody can enforce it. And the reason why they won't enforce it is because these are true beliefs that people have in the workplace, that transgender people simply are not supposed to be working. And the idea that transgender people are not supposed to be visibly trans, meaning it's okay if you're a trans dude if we don't know you trans. But if we know you trans, then we got problems with you. You see? And so... Me transitioning in front of people at my job seems to have given them privilege. And even people who were not there at the time, people who weren't even hired when I began my transition, people who never even knew me before I transitioned become participants in it. So for me, like I said, I don't need to ask your permission for nothing. I'm another employee. I'm a 52-year-old man, been doing my job. If I was a bad employee, then you would have got rid of me a long time ago, not because I transitioned and you can't control your employees. You understand? So that's the issue for me. The, the, The desire here is to remove me from my job. But the bigger picture is this actual belief that transgender people are not supposed to be employed at all, period. And although people don't want to acknowledge that, that is a huge belief. I've heard it in circles of people that I work with. There's a huge ignorance about trans people and trans identity and how we participate in society. And now that, to me, gets into the conversation about being stealth. And, you know, I think that, you know, you know, that's definitely another conversation because I started talking about that and I started talking about, what your coworkers said. It just has me thinking about what I said in my opening monologue about working with people who I heard tonight. I heard from a group of white people, white coworkers. <laughs> Look, I said white people. A group of white people coworkers. They were hunkered around. I was like, oh my God, what are they talking about? Because when I get around, I get nervous. So they were all hunkered <laughs> around. And they were like, yeah, so. 
And they always love talking politics and stuff. And I'm just like, of course you would love to talk about these things that are violent. I don't like to talk about these things. But, you know, I was observing. I wasn't in their midst. I was observing. And I could see them talking. And they were like, yeah, this is why we need Trump in office. And the female was like, yeah. And I'm like, who are these people I work with? I work with nothing but Trump supporters. Like, what environment am I putting myself in? And at least a bigger question, which not many trans black women, um, I think, go to. I think more trans black men experience this because, like you just said, because of the whole working stealth and sort of uh, mm-hmm. uh, matter. And as a person who has sort of, I haven't been stealth throughout my work history, but there have been moments where, you know, I did tell certain stuff none of their business, or they just didn't need to know. Mm-hmm. But, of course, working mm-hmm. for the government, of course, you know, they have to know um, because they do mm-hmm. background checks and all this mess that they do and picking up your drawers and, you know, opening up your blinds and, you know, all that other shit. And so mm-hmm. it's just weird being in this space and you're like, well, how do you balance, like, making that coin but still being in these violent spaces that you know you have coworkers who are like trans people shouldn't be um, working here. And so a trans black person to continuously put themselves in that environment, um, I think we really need to talk about what that's like because I don't think that's something, of course, that we want. Of course, it's not what we want, but it's the situation that's at hand. And so we need to really start thinking about what that is doing to us psychologically, what that does accountability for how we put ourselves in the spaces. What are your thoughts about that? Because at the same time, like, let's be real. I'm not going to keep it real. I've applied for jobs, for jobs in various fields, and one in particular was a trans organization in New York City. They did not hire me, okay? But they hired someone mm-hmm. else who was just less qualified. I wouldn't even think I was that qualified for the position I applied for, but the person who ended up getting a job there was, less qualified. And I bring all this up to say that there are organizations out there in New York that don't hire trans black women for whatever reason. But yet, I can go to the government, who is as disgustingly horrible as they are, but they employed me. They hired me. Um, and not mm-hmm. in a token position because I'm not, it's not like my trans, except for being a token human being <laughs> that mm-hmm. goes on. Mm-hmm. But I say that to say, like, as much as I fucking detest some of the things that I, you know, I have to do and deal with on a daily basis, the coin is always there, and the job was mm-hmm. there when I needed the job. And so, like, we really we have to start having conversations about creating our own wealth because I think for me, I'm mm-hmm. discovering that's the only way that I'm going to get free. So, can you talk about that? Especially when you talked about being as a trans black man having to, you know, navigate that whole world of stealth and, and stuff. Well, first of all, I want to say that um, by me being one of the older guys, the idea of working uh, for something in retirement or something on a civil, like I said, a civil service type of belief is is pretty much runs in my blood. So uh, having to become a self-made man at 50 years old in middle age is different than somebody that's coming straight out of college in the tech fields with a degree. Um I don't think, you know, anybody in my age group wants to be looking at losing their job when they've been committed to it and been doing what they're supposed to do for years on end, whether you're transgender or not. Um, most companies nowadays have little to no loyalty to their employees, period. Um, in terms of 
I mean, I truly believe I should have the right to, to not only participate with society, but to be a contributor to it. I pay taxes just like anybody else. My money doesn't say it's trans. You still take it, period. Oh. So, oh. you know, um, as being stealth, I mean, I kind of feel like I lost that privilege with having to give up this fight um, in a lot of ways. I mean, the minute you... Uh, your name comes up on any type of Google search or even in Facebook on some levels, you give up a lot of your ability to be stealth. I think stealth can be a funny word depending on who it's working for and how it works for them. If you don't have your paperwork all the way in, in check, all the way down to your birth certificate, you really ain't stealth. If you, Especially and then if you become unemployed and then you need to get a job, you don't know how that stuff's going to come up. I don't care how well you walk your walk, how well you talk your talk. If it comes up and it's going to mess with your coin, it's going to come up and mess with your coin. You need to deal oh. with that and be real. In terms of being a self-made person, I think that is something to be said about people. That becomes a class issue between us as, as a culture and a class issue and, and an age issue. Like I said, I know for a fact a lot of trans people are unemployed. Uh, with the bad economy that happened a couple of years ago, um, the last, about what, now six six years ago before uh, Obama even got in at the uh, in the Bush administration and how the banks and the, the bailout banks situation and all of that. A lot of people, there's a lot of professional trans people out there that are highly educated, that had jobs, and they probably were living very stealth lives. But because of the, the drop and a lot of people being disenfranchised from employment, they got dropped from jobs that they had been at for many, many years, and they had to turn around and apply for new jobs in a whole new way of applying for work such as the Internet and no more any face-to-face contact or no more um, interview, um, the the whole process of interviewing changed. And some of those requirements now is to just do a background check on you automatically before they even call you in for an interview. And that in itself makes it hard to be stealth. In terms of being able to consistently work, I'm working hard to keep my job. Like I said, I haven't done anything wrong um, except – Use their use their benefits that they offer and in transition, and that's it. Um, but that you pay for. I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's part of my health care package. Period. And right. we all pay. Anybody that's a city and county employee, it's just like if you're a union person, you pay union dues. Period. You know. But the bigger picture is that you know I want to have control over how I age, how I take care of myself, but the but also the quality of my life, and I deserve to choose my quality of life. If I'm coming to work and doing my job, then you need to explain to me why me being transgender makes a difference, what makes me different than any other black man that's doing the same thing, or any other man or any other person if I'm doing my job. We all want to make coin. I mean, all of us. We've got different ways. I met some brothers uh, at the BTMI conference this past year, and there are a lot of brothers out there redesigning the idea of how to make money. And, I, and you know, I applaud these cats. I really do. Um, but they're a lot shout younger than me. Shout out to Dr. Courtney are... Ziegler. <laughs> exactly. I now, that's, that's a brother. Right. That, yeah, that's, that's a brother. He's doing his thing. He, You know, he's like one of the first, if I'm not mistaken, the only graduate from Northwestern University in uh, African-American studies, you know. But he's in the tech the world. You know, he, he, he decided to come straight out of what he majored in and go into a different. Yeah. And he's well-respected. And he's, he's a, I know Courtney. Courtney's a good guy. He lives right down the street from me. 
So he's making his mark on the world. He's making his mark on the world. And I, I, I give him nothing but respect. Um, but like I said, I've been in the blue-collar uh, fields for a long time, and I'm, I'm like 20 years older than Courtney. So a lot of the concerns that I have are really talking about guys who are not educated, who have been working class, who are blue-collar workers, who have been in fields of construction, fields of the trades, fields of civil service, who should not be looking at this as if I use the services of my employer because the Obama administration and its health plan uh, program has also provided these services, if I'm not mistaken. There's some other programs out there, COBRA and things like that, that but it should not be that you've got to give up your right to work if you, you, if you access of them. And there are many people right now in jobs who may be listening to me right now saying, I want to use my health care package that my employer provides me. What is that going to do for me? Does that mean I've got to deal with a bunch of harassment at work? What is the actual policy? What is the enforcement that my employer is really going to do? That's the bigger question. And there are, there are new health care policies throughout this country that are coming up now. So, you know, um, and I think, yeah, I think you, that you, with that said, it's good to have these uh, – Healthcare policies and healthcare options in place, but of these basic ass employers, like the city of Chicago, uh, oops, did I say that? Um, <laughs> are not gonna have are not gonna have people in place to like help nav help navigate that. Then it's like, what's the point? And so, um, right. I actually am curious. I want to ask you a question, Yusef, because um, we've talked uh, a lot now about um, some of the things. Was there a support system? Did you have anybody at work? that you were able to go to at least? Was there anybody who could help guide you? Was there another trans person on the job? Well, you know, no. without, like, divulging too much information, but, like, was there another trans person on the job? Was there somebody else no. you could go to? Oh. No. I mean, Not you like know, the funny job. thing is I, I had I had, I had, had buddies, just regular, typical buddies, not trans dudes, but buddies at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in, in this, let's just be real. Society is we are a cliquish Society, people want Absolutely. to belong. Yes. People want to belong right. to stuff, okay? And so right. these were some of these, uh, two of these guys in particular. You know, one guy knew me after I transitioned. He was cool. Nobody, He didn't know my business at first, but he needed to belong. And anybody that got along with me was cool with me. They was like a brother. That's the way I look at him. I would be invited to his family's house and have dinner, you know, things like that. We'd be cool. But. Other cats need to make an issue for that dude. You see what I'm saying? They, well, why are you Absolutely. hanging out with them? Don't you know? Woo, 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 woo. That type of silly behavior. You know, I had a so cat that he knew me. Exactly. But it is what it is. And this is the mimicking that happens that, in my opinion, whether you're a trans man or a trans woman, we in this society are, there is something in which people feel more empowered to try to shame transgender people for being who they are. And if you are, you know, I mean, I, I think the best thing going right now in the trans community are the parents of trans children who are accepting and acknowledging their children early on in life and preparing them for the world, and that is preparing the world in a bigger way of being much more embracing of us as people. But in a workforce with grown people, we tend to be in a clickish behavior and in some of that clickish behavior, it is a way to move yourself up into the, um, uh, what I want to say, the employment chain. 
to uprise yourself in terms of getting positions and more money. And my personal experience is that I believe that it's been part of a position for a certain person to harass me to promote themselves. Um, it is what it is. I mean, I think that happens in all places of uh, employment where it's easier to chase somebody out than it is to keep them in. And it's it's easy to get more people to be willing to chase a person out than to keep them in. It becomes part of a, like a mob mentality. And with the idea that trans people are not supposed to be of equal quality, it's easy to get more candidates to join into that type of mob mentality. So, you know. But, Absolutely. But no, in terms of... In terms of support, I've lost support. I mean, people that try to be decent and people that try to step up, they get run over very quickly by the people that want to try to make them feel like they're participating with something strange or odd or or of of not the norm. And they, they'd rather be part of that than to do right, you know. I can agree, and I can definitely affirm that because of someone who, you know, works in government service and has faced discrimination as a trans black woman, when I dealt with my issue, my issue was that someone made an allegation that I was trans. This is Listen to this mm-hmm. funny shit. Someone made an allegation that I was trans. I had confided to one of the people I work with the job that I was trans, and the person went back and told, mm-hmm. like, made a, a comment to somebody, and then it went to the supervisor, and it just, you know, it went like, it went like the, the game, you know, telephone. And then... Somebody higher up felt it was interesting information because I guess they did not know because it was none of their fucking business. And so they ended up pouring into my background paperwork, and they were like, wait a minute. She has a civil service paper checked off, yes, that she is a male born before 1950, whatever the fuck year it is. And then she has another paper that says she's not Mm -hmm. born, da-da-da-da-da. So that... Mm -hmm sort of led to them questioning me, and then they took my gun away. They took everything away from me, and they were like, we need to know, who are you? And it was like, oh, is this how the workplace works? And so it was one of those things where the local people did not know, but Washington knew. And because Washington did not know, I mean, because local people did not know, they felt empowered enough to question my gender, to make it a spectacle. And so I understand that because mm-hmm. I literally had no one to go to. I had no one to go to. And even though there is another person at my top, this <laughs> sounds crazy, but I'm sharing something with you guys who I believe possibly is trans, and I only say that because family, sometimes no family. Um, I find it interesting that this white male, this person did not, has not to this day even said one word to me. This person has not even blinked my way. They don't even engage me um, at all, mm-hmm. really like that. And that's okay mm-hmm. because they're trying to, you know, um, allegedly, be, you know, if they are trans, I don't know for sure. But if they are, they are trying to, you know, get into that self-life that is very possible there. And so that's okay, but I don't know on a human level. I kind of just felt like I was just left out to try, and I'm kind of like, wow. And so mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm really sorry to hear that, that that's your experience as well, because that was sort of my experience on my job as well. Did you, you did you reach out to any of the organizations in California? Um, did you reach out to GLAD or Transgender Law Center or the ACLU about this case? Yes, I did. 
Well, and that, that becomes a little bit problematic. Well, I would say that it gets to be a little a, bit, a little strange. There's, there's, San Francisco is a very powerful city. And with powerful cities, they're like corporations, and they have politics, and they have contracts, and they have a lot of money. And sometimes they fund nonprofits, and which a lot of these organizations that help our communities are nonprofit. And so when you are a nonprofit but you get services or you get donations from the city and county of San Francisco, you may not be willing to burn that bridge. And that was something I ran into on more than one occasion. Um, I work for a major city that represents, that takes on that key or says it takes on that key equally to the LGBT community. I think we as transgender people know damn well that that T is not equal to that LGB part. That T is always like the stepchild of it. And so mm-hmm. funding in transgender organizations is very limited. And so when you have a, a city that's like a corporation, you cannot really afford to burn bridges to help an employee that is also transgender that works there. It becomes a conflict of interest. And I had problems with that with uh, on uh, with one major organization in which they took a contract uh, with the city after they had started, uh, uh, after they had already been working with me. So I had to make my own decisions on that alone because it made it very clear. It's just like if you um, you would not hire an attorney and then your attorney take money from the people you're they're supposed to be defending you against. You wouldn't do it, you know. So that's my best answer for that. You have to – San Francisco is a very powerful city, and it rides on this idea of diversity. And we have a lot of organizations out there that also want to help promote securities for us, but they're limited in how they get their funding. And San Francisco does play a role in a lot of those organizations, or better yet, in connections. I also think that being African-American transgender male plays a different role, too, um, especially one that is um, a brother that is not necessarily, or better yet, let's say it like this, um, I'm from I'm from Chicago. Um, I came up in private schools. I did do some college, but I'm also from a different era where people stand up for themselves and speak for them, speak up for themselves. So I'm a kind of an outspoken brother in my own way. Um, wait a minute! You trying to say they don't look? Wait, you trying to say they don't do that now? I'm saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not a politician. That's the best way for me to say it. I'm not. I'm not running for nothing. I'm not trying to get nothing. But I do believe civil rights is for all people, including trans people across the board. Oh. And so because I'm standing on that platform, I think that it is very hard for some people to stand beside me because it is the vocalness that I, I represent. I don't necessarily, maybe ah. I don't necessarily, you understand what I'm saying? I don't. You're talking, you know, you you're talking about the collective mindset. The collective what? The collective mindset. You like, where's yeah, my brother? I think so. Right. Back right. in the day, yeah. the brothers had each other's back. And so I, I think I right. understand what you're getting Right. At. Right. And I don't think I would be, you know, the type of poster child that some people want to be associated with. I'm much more of, look, let's be real. Let's put this on the table for what it's worth. I don't always have to use fancy words to get my point across. I can just tell you directly, you're wrong, you're being ignorant, and I ain't going to put up with your shit. It should be just as simple as that. 
civil rights is civil rights, whether you're transgender, whether you're cisgender, whether you're black, white, Latino, whether you're bisexual or gay, it's the same. But we got so many problems within our own communities that it allows a lot of separation. Um, you know, I, I can go on and on about that, but I, I think know. Some of How about we take a phone I, call? Yeah, why don't you do that? It'd be easier because I'll talk forever. <laughs> I see you're about to go off there. I don't want to stop you. Please go off. <laughs> that's what this, that's what the Kitty Bella show is for. Because <laughs> she want me to go but, off. Um, I can go off. You no, know what I mean? I, no, you know, I don't, want, I, you, I don't I want, want you to get too out there because I want you to to really yeah, just. Know, right. um, Keep the positive yeah. energy going and really keep it going. And I want to yeah. see who's on the line. Also, have been waiting a long time. All right, um, all right. That's the last four. That's we're gonna take a phone call. The last four. Again, if you don't want to talk, then you don't have to, and we'll just move on. But when I say your last four, that means I'm gonna bring you on and just please keep. Uh, please have it in a quiet area. The last four is if your last four of your phone number is five seven four zero. Five seven four zero. Hi, you're on the Kitty Bella show. Hello, five seven four zero. Okay, we're moving on. That means they did not want to talk. The next four is nine six seven zero nine six seven zero. Hi, you're on the Kitty Bella show. Well, hello there, Kitty. It's Troy. Hi. Oh, Brother Troy has joined us. Longtime Kitty Bella supporter. Wait, we need a bomb for Mr. Troy. Well, thank you. Thank Thanks. you for that, sister. Uh, you know, thank my, you for my joining us. To, oh, not a problem. My, my hat's off to the good brother, and, and I'm sorry he's going through that. And it's unfortunate that, um, you know, people don't look at it. You know, of, of course, I'm I'm a cis male, um, and you know, I'm 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 in a relationship with a trans woman. But uh, you know, watching from 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 my side, from the cis side of of the fence, and watching what you know, what my trans friends go through, you know, uh, you know, the woman I love, my friends who I love dearly, um, this bothers me. And brother, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, I, I'm going to say that you are not alone. Um, mm-hmm. because there, you know, there, there, there are some brothers like myself who, you know, are speaking up for, for, you know, trans women and, and, and you know, my, my trans brothers and you are my brother, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. got your back. I'm on the other side of the country. I'm in Michigan, but again, um, you know, I got I got a couple of brothers who live here. Um, again, you know, I support them. Um, uh, I'm there for them, and uh, we have to to stand together in this community. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's real talk. That's real talk. And unfortunately, and I appreciate me, you saying that. Oh, you know, I'm, and I'm I'm your age. You know, we the same age. You know, so I'm yep, an OG. Yep. I've been around. Yep. I've been around a long time, and I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been one of those problematic people from back in the day on the DL and hiding mm-hmm. and doing all these mm-hmm. these things that that that, that didn't help. Um, mm-hmm. My goal and my job now is to speak up, speak out against injustice. And I mm-hmm. thought you, you know, I, I'm 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 gonna wish the best for you, and mm-hmm. uh, definitely gonna gonna signal boost and, and uplift your story uh, because we 
cannot let this this happen. Yeah, well, right on, man. We we need that. I really appreciate hearing that. Um, the unity between cisgender black males and trans males is a, a definite necessity in general. I mean, that would be a big a big support system in this in, in this community for us as, uh, as as black people to come together and be like big brothers to each other, big brothers and big sisters to each other, you know, raise each other up. Because we all got family and we all got mamas and papas and, you know, we deal with some some serious common denominated struggles. And so I really appreciate you saying what you're saying because that's, that's real talk. Um, I've always wondered about who our advocates are and how our advocates can play roles so to hear a brother, a cisgender male, say that he gets it and he sees it, that's a very powerful statement. So I appreciate that. I say. I say. Oh, that. my God. Thank you so much for that, Brother Troy. Was there anything else you wanted to share with us? No, well, um, there... you know, uh, look, at, look, 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 look for uh, me next month uh, in Chicago at the Creative Change Conference. I'm finally uh, convening uh, a panel with uh, Tona Brown uh, with some other brothers. <gasps> Oh um, my God! So we're finally going to attack uh, a lot of these negative things that are out there about, uh, you know, couples, you know, um, you know, cis males and trans women. Uh, we're going to attack the violence. We're going to attack the DL uh, lifestyle. We're going to attack uh, the. You know, Where is this going to be? This is at the Creating Change Conference in Chicago in January. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, so, that's right. I forgot about you know, I've been trying. You know, I've been trying to do this for a number of years. Tony and I have been trying to do this for a number of years. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of guys drop out, a lot of guys, you know, scared when the time came. And we finally got a group of brothers who uh, who are going to, you know, stand up and be counted. And uh, we need to, you know, we need to support the women we love. You know, if we don't, then, you know, are we men, you know? Um, you know, uh, are we are we the best for the women that we're with? So, you know, I'm gonna put my voice, my face, like I've always done, out there. You know, and, and I'm gonna put it on my broad back. And we want to challenge the other men that are out there who are, you know, we're not the only ones. We're not the only guys who are, who are dating trans women. There's millions of us out there, but yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, um, there's there's you know a handful who are willing to speak up right, and fight for you ladies, and that has mm-hmm. to stop. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Brother Troy. Um, thank you for listening, and can please continue to listen. The show um, right. is not over just yet. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, t- much much respect to you. Thanks a lot for your your uh, your support. I appreciate your words, man. Thank you. Oh my God, that was amazing, Brother Yusuf. Did you have any thoughts or uh, feedback on that, on what Brother Troy, anything of what he touched on? Um, just uh, simply brilliant, as usual, from Troy. Yeah, that was. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, I think that coming, you know, there's, you know, I never came, I never felt like I had to come out the closet. It's just me being me doing my thing. But I think there's something to be said about having to come out the closet to be able to love who you want to love. You know, and uh, relations between trans males and trans females or cisgender males and trans women or vice versa, it shouldn't matter. 
Um, and like I said, I think that separate from the workplace, this is something that's a common denominator of trying to shame trans people or, or shame people who love trans people. Um, it's equal as the workplace. You know, you want to take people's right to love as well as their right to earn a living. And this is where I say that, you know, how far can you be stealth if you allow other people to be abused? You know, I can never sit and be at a job and be completely quiet while I would watch a white employer or anybody, even another black employee, sit up and consistently dehumanize another black employee. I could not do that and be quiet. Right. I could not do right. that and sit and watch any employee dehumanize, any human being dehumanize another human being and not say anything. And the, re the only reason why I'm keeping my mouth shut is because they're quote-unquote transgender. You know, or because they don't, this person doesn't need to be loved because they're transgender. So these are two, you know, he brings up another subject matter, which is our right to be loved and have compassion and caring people and support. I mean, when I talk about the shame part, the shame is to shame. I've heard, I've heard conversations about this with trans women about the men feeling like they have to be shamed for loving the women that they love. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, same thing. These are brothers out there doing their thing, making their money, doing whatever they got to do. But, you know, they come home to a woman, they come home to a woman. Why does it matter? It's, it's nobody's business about their love. That's between them. It ain't got nothing to do with nobody else, period. So, you know, it's good to know that this is another uh, aspect of our lives as being uh, people are stepping up to the plate and saying, Look, I, got the, I got the right to love this woman no matter what. It's none of your damn business. Period. I embrace her. I love her. She's mine. That's it. Don't worry about it. Right. So I'm glad to know brothers on that level, you know. And, but I, and the other hand, I like the idea of uh, it would be great if uh, trans brothers and cis, cis brothers could come together and we create a oh, unit yes. with ourselves, you know, and give ourselves a, a lot more uh, support and visibility, you know. Um, so I that believe be, be truthfully. I believe truthfully, the work is being done. The work is yeah. being done. It's just that those who are gatekeepers in positions of power are making sure that that work does not get get uh, that information that the work is being done and that the people are doing work is getting out there. Because people come right. to me all the time. Like there was somebody who like literally like tried to come for one of my transistors a few weeks ago, talking about. Um, she made a comment about women, and, and and the focus was on what she was talking about. And this trans man, mistakenly and stupidly, thought it would be good to come up in her timeline talking about, oh, but what about trans men? And, da -da 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 -da. and it's like, what are you talking about? First of all, if you want to, you want something to happen, make it happen yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't come to someone else saying, well, why aren't you doing this and that? What about yourself? That's number one. And then number two, um, actually those conversations are happening. People are supporting trans black men out there. But, of course, because those people are people like myself and uh, people like Lord Ashley Hunter and people like Samantha Jodato and all of us trans sisters love our, love us, our trans black men. We're not in. We're not considered. You know, we're not the. You know, people that are thrown out there as spokespersons for the community, and we don't ask for that. Right. But 
I say right. that to say right. that the work is getting done. It's just that you're not hearing right. about it. And so that was also mm-hmm. my problem with that trans man who tried to come up with my girl's mm-hmm. trip line. I'm like, actually, the work is being done. If you check Kitty Bella's show, mm-hmm. I have a number of shows featuring trans men of color. I have a number of topics that talk about that. I know plenty of my sisters who work with trans black men who love themselves as trans black men. And so the work is being done. I just think that it's not no it's not being put out there. And I think that the more that we continuously love up on each other, the more that people know, like, this is not how you conduct yourself at all. Right. I think that, um, like you said, sometimes you got to do the work yourself, you know, and listen to this brother talk. And I know I've talked to other cats. There are things that I know are still on my table for my future other than fighting the city and county. And, uh, you know, I want to at some point, get my own conference together. And these are the type of things that I want to talk about. I mean, trans brothers and uh, cisgender males coming together, relationships between trans people, whatever. I mean, we need to just give more acknowledgement to ourselves and embracement. But this employment stuff, I got to, you know, I got to keep my, my bills paid and keep this fight going until it, it comes out in court. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of work to be done. You are absolutely right. And I'm glad that you are facilitating a different way in which it can be done. I didn't even, myself personally, did not know about the Kitty Bella show. Um, maybe part of the problem was I had not been a part of uh, Facebook for many years. And once I was turned on to it through, quote-unquote, Mr. the great Dr. Courtney Ziegler, I was, like, amazed. I was like, wow, this sister is doing this on her own and got a following. I was just impressed. I was like, wow. So it's really about having access to knowledge. And, and uh, once people get the knowledge, it, it can be overwhelming of what we're doing. I mean, there's a lot of there – there are a lot of connections to be made, period, for us to move in better directions, period, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. We have some more callers. More, um, or do you have to go? No, I'm fine. I'm open. Okay, let's take one more caller. We may take more than that, but let's take one more. The last four, again, if I say your last four, that means you're live and you can start talking. If you don't want to talk, just be crickets. Where are my crickets? The last four is 0168. 0168. Hi, you're on the Kitty Bella Show. Zero one six eight. Okay, we're gonna move on. The next caller is nine one nine zero nine one nine zero. Hi, you're on the Kitty Bella show. Hello, hi, who's this? Oh, maybe it's someone... me. Um, oh, it's uh, my name is Nicole. But um, right now, I'm kind of preparing to transition myself into being um, Nick. Um, but um, I was listening into your show because I was inspired by um, Mr. Uh, James because um, I'm kind of dealing with this in the workplace myself uh, where we're trying to, well, I'm trying to explain to the people, I guess, educate them on uh, transgender people. And because what's happening is I'm noticing that uh, a lot of them have closed minds when it comes to that. But um, thanks to, um, I guess, media portrayals, it makes it easier for me to explain uh, aspects of what we go through to them. Um, I'm not actually out yet at work because I'm kind of scared that they might fire me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only scared because uh, a lot of them have already kind of said that they're kind of religious. Uh, mm-hmm. I work at a state level job, but mm-hmm. I'm just kind of nervous. And this is my first time actually doing this because um, I had been primarily working as a housekeeper um, in my most for most of my 20s. Okay. And uh, I'm 29 now. So I'm at this point now where economically I feel like um, I guess I can be more out more, and I'm looking forward to actually starting on the journey transition into a man. It's just that uh, I'm just kind of nervous at my job. Um, but I just wanted to say um, thank you, sir, uh, because you kind of inspire me to educate mm-hmm. myself on trans health because I didn't know about all these benefits and things because I was pretty much either unemployed or I was working in an uh, employment where I didn't have access to these benefits mm-hmm. or I didn't feel like I did. So I just wanted to say that. Well, I'm glad I can inspire Thank you. you. I mean, so I was. Much. Yeah, you, you're about to take a step into your world of taking control of who you are for yourself, you know? Yes. But I definitely, I definitely highly recommend that. Uh, you say you work at a state level job right now? Uh, yeah, I just started working um, at a university, HBCU. So my area is really diverse. Um, my okay. apartment, because I work, where I work at is really diverse, is HBCU. Um, but um, I just noticed just some offhand comments and things, and I'm just like, maybe I should kind of lie low, especially since I just started uh, a few months ago. But well, I'm starting to realize I, would def- I should try to, you know, assert myself more like you have. So, Well, I want to say right right now, too, is, you know, separate from that, arm yourself with finding out what you have in, in store, you know, in terms of your health care benefits, in terms of, what they give you uh, in terms of your package, period. Mm-hmm. And get through your probation. Get through your probation regardless. Okay. Get through that. Because that makes you a lot more secure. They can't have an excuse to get rid of you if you've gotten through your probation. Right. All right? And also, if you have a union, find out what your union rights are. Now, these are things far and few that you might need later on, but find out those, you know, arm yourself with knowledge of what your rights are because you can't always make everybody happy, period. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? No matter what you do. And people, whether they're religious or even people who will say that they're open to trans people, it is one thing to say that you're open to it. It's another thing when they see you physically change in front of them. That's okay. the bottom line. You know? Yeah, you, so, you know, you're right. You know, so you can you can you can be a great person, have a great personality, and try to be really nice to people about what you're trying to do for you. Remember, this is about you. It ain't really about them. This is about yeah, you. You're right. So you know, but I would say get through your probation and make sure that you're okay with that. And but definitely find out about all your benefits, what they offer, and your securities at that job. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much you. for that phone call. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having yeah. the broadcast. I'll be sure to tune in more. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, we love oh, it. Yeah, thank you. Yes. And you were able to provide some slash. Like, this is what it's about. This is what it's yeah. about. I'm so happy you were able to, like, really just, like, can we just center that for a second? Like, that was just, like, 
It's so sad, well, like, you know, the boy. things that we have yeah. to go through. What are your thoughts? Like, what is your thought on that? Like, that was just, like, some of the stuff we have to navigate as trans people. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, it, it is a privilege for me to have somebody say I inspire them, you know, because uh, in this fight it's felt very lonely. But if I can give anybody any encouragement to do them, like I said, I think that we need to empower ourselves and know that we deserve the same respect as anybody else, you know, and we have the right to move through this world in the same ways. I mean, I've dealt with some serious struggles, some serious struggles, and my job has done everything it can to tear me down and dehumanize me as a human being. It really has. But to know that there's other people that are coming after me um, in terms of, you know, the younger crowd of people that are, that are doing this in a different walk than me is even encouraging to me. And if I could tell somebody that's working and trying to uh, be comfortable with the idea of transitioning on the job, you know, I want to be as supportive as I can to him. So it's a blessing to hear him say that, hey, I'm about to do my thing and I'm a little worried. And he's putting feelers out there to find out, you know, how people speak around him. But in the long run, people are going to be people. And, you know, we are some very powerful people. I mean, we, you know, the idea of being at a job in front of people you may not necessarily, if you didn't work with them, they would not necessarily be your friends. But you are physically becoming, going from one gender to another. It's a very powerful human being. And I think that we as transgender people need to recognize that. Most of these people are upset about their own insecurities, not about us being empowered. And that's what you need to remember. They are insecure people that have problems with us being empowered within ourselves. And that's how that's how I stand on it. Brother Yusuf, I'm going to switch <laughs> the subject or topic here a little bit. Who, All right. who or who or what inspires you? Who or what inspires me? That's interesting. Well, I want to say my first blessing in life is my mother. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I have a mother who was very liberal, very open-minded. I was born the same week that uh, John F. Kennedy was shot the same year. Um, I think it was uh, Malcolm X was killed. I was in the first 10 years, major civil rights leaders were killed. Okay. And so I believe that my mother's energy around all those movements was inspired into me, but she also believed in us standing up for ourselves. And so she inspires me. Um, I was a big fan of Malcolm X more so than Martin Luther King. I, I just was, you know, uh, I like the idea of standing up for yourself and speaking out not to necessarily be threatening, but to just be who you are in your own reality. Um, I have friends of mine that inspire me for the work that they've tried to do in the community and the, and the strength that it's taken to do that. Um, my girlfriend, I'm involved with a very beautiful woman, Dora Santana. She's a professor. She's moving, doing her Ph.D., moving through the world, kicking butt and, and giving acknowledgement. She's very inspiring. Shout out to Dora. Yeah, she, she makes some moves on Facebook all the time, and she's letting it be known. You know, she, she she's very inspiring. But, you know, I mean, it, there's, there's people throughout my life that have inspired me. My grandfather, he was a very strong black man. Like I said, he was a, one of the first black supervisors at the post office at that time. And it was a big deal thing. Supervisors back in those days might have had uh, supervised up to 30 people, 30, 40 people, as opposed to now where he might just have a handful, you know, and that's even micromanagement type stuff. So 
you know, his dignity as a man, um, hearing the energy. I mean, I remember the energy that was in my mother's heart when uh, King was shot, when Martin, when uh, when Kennedy was shot. I felt that in my family's presence when I was a child. They talked about it in the household. They grieved about our leaders being killed and the changes and seeing the violence that was on the streets. These were conversations that literally happened in my household in front of me and the music that was played. So I feel like my mother and my grandfather and my grandmother really had a lot to do with creating who I am now. Um, and, you know, then there's been people who have come through my life who have just, you know, uh, I feel like, I mean, I'm just happy to be alive to see a black president. I mean, he's a black man. I'm a black man. I want to have kids that feel safe to walk on these streets and not get shot in the head or, you know, I I, I got the same concerns as any other black brother in this country, period. So who inspires me? I think, I, to be real with you, my own people and our own struggles and staying up. That's what inspires me. I don't think that we should let anybody tear us down. We carry enough on our backs. Why should I let you tell me I need to carry some extra shit? I don't need you to tell me what I need to carry. I carry what I want to carry, and that's how I feel about it. So, you know, that's why I'm at. Ashay, yes, thank you for sharing that. Um, As we bring this conversation to a close, Brother Yusef, what is next? What are the next steps for you? What what are you doing now? I know you said you still work for the city. Can you just tell us, does that mean so, like, on Monday you're still going into work and dealing with the same mess? Um, What what is next for Brother Yusef, and what are you doing now um, in terms of, you know, in terms of, like, work day-to-day and, um, like, what are the next steps? Well, the next step is we're going to have this trial. I mean, as far as the day-to-day, I'm just going to get through it. But we're going to have this trial, and actually they're uh, considering some things on the table around that, and I can't really talk about that. But for the bigger picture, for my own future, what I want to do for this community is I want to literally try to set up some type of legal uh, organization that helps trans people find the attorneys that can actually represent them. I think the hardest thing in dealing with any discrimination case, and especially discrimination cases for transgender people, is the fact that you have to educate while you try to get somebody to uh, defend you. Um, You know, if you do a murder, you know, the lawyer comes in, he already has a set of rules that he's going to go by on how he's going to advise you in a murder case. If you steal something, that type of attorney is going to advise you on how to do things in a case around theft. But for transgender and how you should be able to be respected for who you are, whether you are physically representing that body or not, is you have to educate that attorney. And I have spent more time trying to educate than I have had to have somebody be able to defend me. That is a very hard crossroad. And I think that that is something that we as transgender people are coming up short on. And we need to find attorneys that really understand us as people and can represent correctly. I mean, and I say that because California has a law called the California AB law, which means that you do not have to do anything physically to yourself as a trans-identified person. You do not have had to take any type of hormone. You do not have to have any type of surgery. But if you identify as the gender that you are, you are to be respected as that. And we need attorneys that get that and help enforce these laws just on that alone. 
Because once we get that done, we don't need to have all these other issues going on. We don't need to create new drama to try to get rid of a person from their place of employment. You know, so I'm looking to to open up an organization that we can get um, uh, people to the right attorneys that can support them and and help them at their place of employment and, 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 and hopefully literally get the enforcement that the employer said that they're going to do to actually happen. You know, I might be in la-la land on that, but you can't write up a policy and then not have to hold something to it. And you should, you should be accountable to your own policies, period. So period. That, that's like, there's really nothing yeah. else to say. Yeah. Drop that fucking mic. <laughs> yeah. These motherfuckers get with the you program. Know. Oh, my God. How can yeah. folks get in touch with you? Brother Yusuf, if they want to share love, give you affirmations, offer support, if they want to provide a donation, a coin, like how can folks get in touch with you? Well, I have a petition, actually. I'm trying to still get signatures on in support of this case, and it's it's called I Petition. Um, It's, wow, I don't have, oh, can you hold on for one minute? Yes, yes, go ahead. Yeah, yes, but it's it on my Facebook pages. You, if you go to our petition and look up uh, uh, support Ramik James, you can find it. But I'm going to actually give you the uh, website right now. And if folks want to contact you on Facebook, they can just contact you by your name, Yusuf James. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. And they can Are ask you me for, uh, excuse me? No, go ahead. They can ask me for, um, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, friendship request, and I'll be happy to um, give them that, and they will definitely be directed to the to the petition. Mm. I'm sorry. You go to. Um, uh, can you hold on for one minute, Katrina? I wasn't prepared. Yes, yes. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. While you're doing that, I can talk. Um, Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm so happy that so many of you enjoyed tonight's broadcasting. Again, please, if you have show ideas, if you have content, please send it to me at Katrina Goodlett. That's one word, Katrina Goodlett, G-O-O-D-L-E-T-T at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. If you really enjoyed tonight's show, this is content and topics that you want me to discuss or you want the world to discuss. Or the world. The world won't be discussing. I'll be discussing, but we'll discuss it so the world can hopefully maybe hear and make the fuck up. Please contact me at katrinagill at gmail.com, and we can talk about these topics. I love to talk about these issues that we don't get to talk about. Um, Please check out our our podcast page for our over 35 now. I used to say 30, now I'm going to 35. 35 podcast shows on demand 24-7. Also, please feel free to keep our show afloat by pouring a small or large resource into our PayPal at kittyfroid, B-R-O-I-D, 2011, at gmail.com. Yes, Brother Yusef. Okay, so let me give this to you. It's www.ipetition.com, right to work while being transgender. So if you go to iPetition, just type in right to work while being transgender, and you will see that petition. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for being here, Brother Yusuf. This was truly amazing. I just want to say I'm 
so proud of you for sharing your narrative and sharing um, your story. And so I think that this is just one aspect of your story. And so that um, is very important for, for us to understand um, each other. And so I just am so happy that you were able to share this tonight. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity you gave me, Kitty. Thanks for uh, creating this forum, and uh, much respect to you for doing this. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Please stay on the line, Brother Yusuf. I will be playing a closing song tonight. Tonight's closing song is from Kitty Bella's show, Favorite and Friend, my bae, Miss Sydney Chase, who is just slaying everything right now with her artistic content. And so tonight I would like to play Kitty uh Kitty Bella Sydney Chase song Wake You Up. Please check Sydney Chase out. Google her. You can get her iTunes, her her music, her Facebook or Twitter. Just type in the name Sydney S I D N E Y Chase C H A S E. Shout out to Vita Cleveland has been doing an amazing job tonight slaying the Twitter conversation. Thank you so much, Vita. <laughs> 